0: On November 10th, 2020, the Supreme Court heard the argument of California versus Texas, a constitutional challenge to the Affordable Care Act, ACA individual mandate. The suit also seeks to invalidate the ACA's many other other provisions, which cover a range of issues, such as regulation of private health insurance, changes to public health care programs like Medicaid and Medicare, and funding for preventive health care programs, drug regulation, and new new nutritional content display at restaurants. In this episode, I will be providing the background on the ACA individual mandate, including relevant prior litigation, followed by a discussion of the California versus Texas case, including the party's argument in the case. Enacted in 2010, one of the ACA's central goals was to increase the number of share of Americans who are insured. In its original form, the ACA's major component included sweeping changes to federal regulation of private health insurance established income-based subsidies to facilitate the purchase of health insurance, and substantially increase the scope of Medicaid coverage. Additionally, in a requirement commonly referred to as an individual mandate, the law compelled certain individuals to maintain a minimum level of health insurance and, as originally enacted, imposed financial penalties enforced as a tax on those who failed to comply with the requirement. The Supreme Court has once before considered the individual mandate's constitutionality. In 2012, the court addressed this issue in its landmark case, National Federation of Independent Business v. Sibulis. In NFIB, several states and private litigants argued that individual mandate exceeded Congress' legislative authority. They further claimed the rest of the ACA was not um, severable from the individual mandate and would thereby have to be invalidated is entirely if the individual mandate was held unconstitutional. Chief Justice Roberts, writing for himself, was joined by Justice um, Scalia, Kennedy, Thomas, and Alito, writing separately, and ruling that neither Congress' authority to regulate interstate commerce nor its derivative authority to enact necessary laws to offense to um, remunerate powers gave Congress authority to enact the Congress mandate. These justices collectively explained that while the Commerce Clause allows Congress to regulate, Existing commercial activity does not bestow Congress with authority to compel individuals to participate in commerce. A different group of five justices, comprised of Chief Justice Justice Ginsburg, Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan, concluded that individual mandate could reasonably be characterized as a valid exercise of Congress' power to levy taxes. In his controlling opinion, the Chief Justice stated that it was fairly possible to view the penalty as a tax, especially because it possess the essential feature of any tax. It produces at least some revenue for the government. Because the individual mandate could be plausibly construed as a tax falling within Congress authority under Article I to impose taxes, a court majority upheld the individual mandate. The individual mandate The individual mandate that the Supreme Court is considering into 2020 is not the same as the provision the court upheld in 2012. Specifically, in 2017, Congress passed major tax reform legislation, 2017 tax revision, which reduced the amount of financial penalty for failing to comply with the individual mandate to $0. However, due to the procedural Restrictions associated with the way that the 2017 tax revision was passed, the actual provision stating that an applicable individual shall ensure that the individual and any dependent of the the individual who is applicable individual is covered under minimum essential coverage for such months remain in the federal law. After 2017 tax revision, several states... And the individual plaintiffs sued the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Internal Revenue Service, challenging the constitutionality of the amended individual mandate. The plaintiffs argued that the individual mandate could no longer be reasonably characterized as a tax because it could not raise revenue with financial penalty of zero dollars. The plaintiff further argued that the individual mandate could not be severed from the rest of the ACA, so the entire um, statute should be invalidated. The federal defendant did not contest the plaintiff's argument regarding the individual mandate's constitutionality, arguing instead that the rest of ACA, save a handful of private health insurance provision guaranteed issue and community rating provisions of GIRC, could be severed from the individual mandate and remain good law. A separate group of states joined the litigation as interventural state innovators to argue among other things, the amended individual mandate remained constitutional and the rest of the ACA was entirely s- severable. The district court issued a injunction in the plaintiff's favor, including ruling that the individual mandate was not um, severable, but stayed its effect pending appeal. On the appeal to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit, the federal defendant modified their position on um, severability, now agreeing with the plaintiff that the entire ACA should fall with the individual mandate. The U.S. House of Representatives joined as an interventional defending the ACA. A divided panel of the Fifth Circuit affirmed the district court's determination as the individual mandate's unconstitutionality. However, the majority held that the district court decision invalidated the entire ACA improperly relied on Congress's 2010 labeling of the mandate as essential and did not specifically explain how particular portion of the ACA as it exists post-2017 rise or fall on the constitutionality of the individual mandate. Thus, the Fifth Circuit remanded the separability issue to the district court to conduct a more s- searching inquiry as to which ACA provisions as it currently exists fall with the individual mandate. The plaintiffs and the state intervenors sought, sought the su- Supreme Court review of the Fifth Circuit decision on March 2, 2020 that the Supreme Court granted certiorari to consider, among other things, whether the amended individual mandates still falls within Congress' legislative authority, and if not, whether the remainder of the ACA can be severed from the individual mandate or must fall with it. Debate surrounding the amended individual mandate's constitutionality largely centers on how to characterize the provision following the elimination of the financial penalty in the 2017 tax revision. Without the possibility of revenue from a financial penalty, the Fifth Circuit concluded it is no longer fairly possible to save the mandate's constitutionality under Congress's taxing power, and said the amended individual mandate can only be viewed as a command to purchase insurance because NFIB held that such a command was not authorized under the constitution of interstate commerce or necessary and proper clause the 5th circuit ruled that the amended individual mandate unconstitutional this argument is echoed by the plaintiffs and the federal defendants in california versus texas by contrast the the dissenting judge on the Fifth Circuit panel argued that the elimination of the financial penalty means that the individual mandate now does not do anything or bind anyone, and Congress does not exceed its enumerated powers when it passes a law that does nothing. Adopting a similar characterization, the state interviewees and in the House of Representatives argued that the amended individual mandate may exhort Americans to buy health insurance, but does not command them to do anything. As a precautionary provision without any possible form of compulsion, the individual mandate cannot compel an individual to purchase an unwanted product, oblivioning any concerns under the commerce cause. In response, the federal defendants and plaintiffs argued that such a characterization is inconsistent with the amended individual mandates text, which speaks in mandatory terms stating that applicable individuals shall maintain minimum essential coverage. The court's fractured opinion in NFIB may provide some insights into how the current sitting justices may view the mandate's constitutionality. Justice Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan would have upheld the pre-2007 individual mandate under the Commerce Clause as well as the taxing power, which may be suggestive of their current views. Of the remaining justices, three more have previously written opinions addressing the constitutionality of their original individual mandate. Justice Thomas and Alito, co-authored a dissenting opinion in NFIB arguing that the individual mandate was unconstitutional under either the Commerce Clause or taxing power, and Chief Justice Roberts wrote an opinion holding that the individual mandate was not authorized by the Commerce Clause. Should the uh, Supreme Court hold the amended and remanded unconstitutional? The court would then turn to the question of whether the ACA's remaining provisions are severable. Under the doctrine of severability, the court applies a presumption that the remainder of a law is severable from an unconstitutional component if the remainder can operate in a manner consistent with Congress's intent. And absent evidence, Congress would not have enacted the remaining provision without the unconstitutional portion unless the presumption is re- The unconstitutional provision is severed from the remainder of the statute. If Congress includes a severability or non-severability clause, courts follow these directives absent extraordinary circumstances. The plaintiffs and the federal defendants argue that the individual mandate cannot be severed from the rest of the ACA. Following the framework used by the dissenting justices in NFIB, the plaintiff divide that the health insurance subsidy and Medicaid expansion and three, uh, the ACA's minor provision, the plaintiff argued that congressional findings enacted as part of the ACA clearly established that the G ICR provisions are so closely intertwined with the individual mandate that they cannot function in the intended manner without the mandate. The plaintiffs argued that these findings should be viewed as equivalent to non-severability clause that is determined of whether the GICR provisions can be severed from the individual mandate. With respect to ACA major provisions, they further argue that these provisions are inseparable from the individual mandate, because they work together to balance the economic effects of a single coherence policy to effectuate the near universal health care coverage that the mandate requires. Because the removal of the mandate would fundamentally alter the balance, the plaintiff argued that the marriage provisions would no longer operate in the same manner intended by Congress. Finally. The plaintiffs assert that the ACA's minor provision should fall because Congress would not have enacted them without ACA's major provisions. For their part, the state, interviewers, and the House of Representatives argued that the individual mandate should be severed from the rest of the ACA. They argued that by the decline of the individual mandate as part of the 2017 tax revision, Congress demonstrated its intent that the ACA remain in place absent the individual mandate. They further argued that this conclusion regarding congressional intent is bolstered by the fact that multiple legislative attempts to repeal or amend the ACA were rejected by the 115th Congress, and they note that real-world experience since 2017 has demonstrated that the GICR provisions continue to function without an enforceable individual mandate. In light of the legislative context and recent programmatic experience, the state interviewers and the House of Representatives argue that the plaintiffs have not rebutted the presumption of severability. Notably, several recent opinions indicate that some justices' concerns about modern severability doctrine and suggest a potential third option to the severability analysis. In 2018, in Murphy vs. National Collegiate Athlete Association, the court was confronted with to this to sever an unconstitutional provision from the remainder of the Professional and Amateur Sport Protection Act, ultimately concluding that none of the act was severable. In a concurrent opinion, Justice Thomas wrote to express his growing discomfort with our modern severability president, suggesting that this doctrine should be re- reevaluated in a future case. Subsequently, in 2020, Justice Thomas and Gorges wrote separate opinions in CELA Law LLC v. Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and Barr v. American Association of Political Consultants, respectively, expressing similar concerns about the modern severability doctrine three opinion generally argued that the power of judicial review does not allow courts to revise statutes. Instead, so Justice Thomas and Gortez argued that a judicial remedy should be limited to an injunction preventing enforcement of an unconstitutional provisions against a plaintiff. So, as to avoid rendering Advisory opinions of circumventing Article 3 standing requirements. Although these views reflect a minority of the court, they suggest an option other than conducting traditional severability analysis in favor of a simple injunction barring enforcement of the amended individual mandate against the plaintiffs, assuming it is ruled unconstitutional. If the interim mandate is held unconstitutional and not severable, the invalidation of the entire ACA would have significant consequences for the private insurance markets, public health care programs, and many other areas. Perhaps because of the stakes in this case, the court has permitted the House of Representatives to participate in oral arguments alongside the other parties. Time allotted for oral arguments has been extended to a total of 90 minutes to accommodate the many different parties with 30 minutes for each the state interviewers, 10 minutes for the House of Representatives, and 20 minutes each for the federal defendants and state plaintiffs. In addition to participating in the litigation, Congress has a variety of legislative options to address the central legal issues in California versus Texas. Congress could, for example, repeal the independent mandate in its entirety to render the litigation moot or restore the financial penalty to the individual mandate so that it is indistinguishable from the version previously upheld in the NFIB. Congress could also enact legislative ex- explicitly addressing the severability or non-severability of the individual mandate from the rest of the ACA to guide the courts through the process.